Hamilton, Fulton, can you hear me? Just about. I'm one of these people that doesn't like a microphone, so like double mute it, double put it on here, just about to start, never quite ready. Let's pray before we start. God, we thank you that you are here with us. Please, would you speak to us now as we look at your word? Would you breathe new life into us and help us to hear something new from you this evening? Amen. For those of you who don't know, I'm Rachel. This is Zachary. Um, This wasn't the plan. This is Rob. He's my husband. It's a family affair. Um, so for those of you who were here last week, oh, hello, um, hopefully you'll remember that Adam gave us a bit of a quiz. Um, he tried to trick us out a bit. Some of the students were a bit more confident than I was. Gave some good answers. Um, I stayed very quiet at the back. Um, he was trying to prove to us the point, really, that um, the story of Jesus' birth has become a bit, um, I don't mean this rudely, but kind of embellished. Not all the things that we think of are actually in the Bible text of the story. So, for example, we often think of three kings, but actually it doesn't say that. There were just three gifts. Um, But it made me think, and I thought I'd better go back and I'd better look at the passages. So um, the passage of Jesus' birth is found in Luke, where we just heard it from Helen. Thank you, Helen. And it's also found in Matthew. I thought I'd read the Matthew version just quickly. So in Matthew it says, Sorry. Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Uh, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet and did not want to um, expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Now I don't know about you, that's actually probably quite a lot briefer than I've remembered. The angel came to Joseph, told him what was going to happen and then after that it just says 
and it has to. There's actually little information given. I wonder if you have more or less information about your own birth. Because that's all one thing we'll have in common is we'll all have been at at least one birth and it'll have been your own. And I'm assuming that nobody here can remember for themselves their own birth. So I wonder what you've been told. What do you know about that event? Maybe you know quite a lot. Maybe you know nothing. Maybe there's pictures. Maybe there's videos. I know three things about my birth. The first is that my mum called my dad, who was at work. My dad drove to the hospital, and my mum walked herself. And they arrived at the same time, my dad not thinking to find out how she was going to get there. It was only round the corner, but it is bad. It's bad. The second is that my dad bought McDonald's for all of the nurses. I, I can't remember whether that was before I was born or just after, but McDonald's was definitely bulk bought. And the third is that my mum needed some extra treatment, and my dad was left holding me on his own, petrified. I wonder what your birth was like. I wonder what your birth mother planned it to be like and how she found it. It seems pretty common nowadays for um, women to make what they call a birth plan, to kind of write down um, what they would ideally like from their birth, um, the way they'd like it to go, what they want to happen, to put in a document what's important to them so that when they're busy trying to give birth, everyone around them can know what matters. For example, you might put whether you want to be at home to give birth or in a hospital. You might want to write who you'd like present, whether it be your partner, your mum. Some people like to put stuff about the setting. Would you like candles and atmospheric lighting? Would you like music? Would you like pain relief? Would you like a lot of pain relief or not very much? I wonder what Mary and Joseph had thought might be the scenario when they had their first child. If they'd written a birth plan, I wonder what they would have said what would have been important to them. Here are some things I doubt they would have hoped for. I doubt Mary would have liked a baby out of wedlock in the culture she was in with all the shame and stigma and rejection attached. I don't think that's what she'd have hoped for. I don't think Joseph would have hoped that this child wouldn't have been biologically his. I don't think either of them would have hoped for a long trip to happen first, for them to be miles away from home 
and from family. When the baby finally came, I doubt they'd have liked to hear the words, no room in the inn, and to have laid their baby in a manger. I don't know about Mary, but I certainly wouldn't have liked a bunch of strangers for visitors. I doubt she hoped for a long journey home with a stop in Egypt because her baby was in danger when Herod commanded that all under siege be killed in the area. I doubt that's what they hoped for. And yet it is what happened. This is the scenario into which Jesus was born. I wonder how often we think about those parts of the narrative of Jesus' birth. Sure, the reality of pain and blood at birth, of milk and hormones kicking in as the wise men arrived, of soldiers coming to kill all the babies in the area, probably wouldn't make for a particularly festive film or a great children's nativity. But I do think that it's helpful for us to think about these things every now and then. But what's your point, Rachel? If I want to know more about the reality of childbirth, I can just watch an episode of One Born Every Minute. Birth is beautiful. New life is amazing. And how much more so the birth of Jesus, our Saviour and God. What a truly magnificent gift. But it's also messy. And it's difficult. And it's dangerous. And yet despite the difficulty and the danger, God the Father sent his only son to earth as a baby to save and to redeem his people. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. God so loved us that he sent his son as a baby into the mess and the difficulty. He sent him into the danger. And Jesus brought light and life and hope and peace and joy, things we like to think about at Christmas, things we like to focus on, and they're all good things. We celebrate Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the light of the world, the joy giver. But the reason that these gifts that he brings are so exciting, the reason Jesus' arrival with them is such good news, is because we need them. If we already had hope and peace and love and joy, the kind that comes from God, we wouldn't have needed him to bring them with him. We celebrate the joy because we need joy. 
we lose the peace. We lose the hope. It's into the mess and the chaos and the danger that Christ is born to save us. God loves us so much that he comes to us. Emmanuel, God with us. What sacrificial love that God himself would become flesh, enter our mess and save us. Maybe you need reminding this evening of the great love that God has for you. Maybe you feel like you've never known it for yourself. But may you hear and know this evening that you are loved by the Father. He sent his one and only son for you. The baby Jesus came to set you free. No matter what mess you are in, God is here with you. He chose to step into the mess and he is here to help lift you out. But God was not the only one in this story to display sacrificial love. As I said before, I'm sure this wasn't a plan that Joseph and Mary had conjured up for themselves. This isn't how they expected things to go. But each of them heard from God and both of them chose to do what he had asked them to do, to sacrifice themselves and their futures to his plan. At the Last Supper, Jesus says to his disciples, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You also should love one another. God asks us to love one another, to sacrificially love people the way he loves people, the way he loves us. I wonder what that might look like for you this Christmas. Perhaps it means inviting that difficult family member to Christmas, despite your longing not to. Perhaps it means donating to the food bank and choosing to have a little less food at your house so that someone else might have a little more. Perhaps, unfortunately, it might mean isolating beforehand to keep people that you're going to see safe and missing out on events to keep others healthy. Perhaps it might mean not being with the people you want to be with for that day. Perhaps it might look like giving time to the stranger you meet in your busy day as you rush around preparing for Christmas. Whatever it might look like for you, God asks us to love one another just as he has loved us. So this Christmas, no matter how messy and difficult 
and possibly dangerous it is. Remember that God has already stepped down into that mess and he is here with you. No matter how they portray it in the movies or what we usually imagine when we think of Christmas, that first Christmas wasn't picture perfect. This Christmas won't be either. But the hope and the peace, the joy and the love of Christ is here with us. May we know it. May we experience it. And may we share it with those around us.